Death to Videodrome, and long live America's newest and fleshiest podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and I'm not afraid to let my body die. Hey, Patron. It's Ben Sheets. I'm Cleveland Mosier, and I'm broadcasting signals into your brain. I'd rather you broadcast signals into my stomach, pussy. Oh, God. What a start. Happy Cronenberg, everybody. Happy Cronenberg. We're doing it again. This one was Cleveland's pick. Yep. Trying to fill in some more of the, the, the gaps in, in Cronenberg for you. And we did. And we did. We watched, we watched Videodrome, 1983. Mm. Came out five years before last week's Dead Ringers. Another very different film. Swinging all over the gamut on Cronenberg. But one of the most famous, one of the most iconic for good reason, I think. In picking this movie, Cleve, you asked us, you know, if I had a week to live and could only see one Cronenberg movie that I hadn't seen, what should I pick? Tease and I both said Videodrome because not only is it probably his most popular of the stuff you haven't seen, uh, but it's probably the biggest, like, thesis statement of, like, all of his work combined. It, like, takes, like, the body horror stuff. It takes, like, the the Marshall McLuhan philosophy type of stuff. It takes, like, the, the weird, surreal aspects. Weird sex stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that that's true. I don't know if I'd ever really thought of it that way, but but Videodrome is, I feel, you're you're right. I think it's kind of like Cronenberg distilled yeah it's like if you had to if you had to show somebody one movie that is like the quit like the most david cronenberg videodrome really does have a little bit of it all yeah cleveland how did videodrome strike you solid like you said it has a little bit of everything um i kind of wish it had a lot more of all those things uh individually Mm. uh just another reminder that i need to go through the rest of his work I need to keep digging. I want to see more. Um, I liked everything I saw. I have no complaints. I think the themes are solid. I think the world building is fun. But I felt so satisfied coming out of Dead Ringers. So whole and complete. It's a full movie. I was sleepier watching this one. Maybe maybe the lesson here is I need to stop watching Cronenberg movies when I'm sleepy. Because I watched Crimes of the Future when I was sleepy. And I watched this one while I was sleepy. And so it was a little bit harder for me to like really dig in and get invested. But I was I was there. I was cognizant the whole time. I was enjoying it. I was with it. And I liked it. So I'm not going to stick on this too much. I just want to get into the themes and get into all the goodies. But it just didn't hit me the same way that like Dead Ringers did. Dead Ringers just really, really pulled me in. Well, it's funny because, you know, while Tease, you and I were saying like this is the most Cronenberg, Cronenberg movie, like it is very abstract and challenging and inaccessible in a lot of respects at the same time yeah well like yeah it's it's like it it, it does the whole it's much less straightforward than something like dead ringers yes that that i definitely agree with and you know i think i think your reaction to it is similar to my reaction the first time i saw it i think it is much like a lot of Cronenbergs, but Dead Ringers isn't really in this category. But I think I think Videodrome is a film that really starts to like 
give you more on rewatches because it is kind of dense and it is some of the ideas are kind of abstract and like the whole last third is like pretty surreal intentionally so and i I, see on a rewatch having some chronological context you know, knowing what it's about, yeah. what's going on, why he's having those visions early on. It's a lot. It's a lot to. It's a know. lot to try to absorb when you don't, when you don't really know what you're mm-hmm. watching. Well, I, I kind of had the same the the same thing when I first watched it, where I was like, "This is cool and I like it," but I don't. It hasn't quite clicked yet. But then it's like watching it again, and then like a third time, it's like. All right. Yeah. Now this is this is really. Uh, it, it really sort of like seeps into your brain maybe over the course of the conversation you know more will come i don't i i'm I'm open to being wrong i don't feel like i missed anything i feel like i can i tracked everything that was happening um you know when or when it wasn't a vision yeah sure all the rest i i feel like i got everything the movie put in front of me but maybe i didn't let's talk about it and find out yeah well let's cover the basic premise yeah, James Woods plays Max Wren, who's the president of Civic TV, which is like sort of an independent, skeezy, like adult-themed channel where... Skinamax. Yeah, Skinamax, but like, aside from just pornography, they also do like extreme violence and gore and stuff like that. Like exploitation. it's Exploitation, like after dark kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And... He's always looking for, like, the next big thing that he can show to get more viewers, cater to those, like, weird, pervy niches, stuff like that. And in so doing, he stumbles across this weird program called Videodrome. He has a guy working for him, uh, Harlan, who uh, is, like, a like a video pirate. He like uses a satellite to like pirate uh, signals from around the world. And they stumble across this weird show called Videodrome that is basically just like an hour of people being like tortured and murdered in like this weird room. It's a snuff film. Snuff film. Yeah. Yeah. Max initially thinks that there's no way it can actually be real. It's just very realistic, very well produced. But as he starts to sort of get more obsessed and try to figure out, like, who's behind it, he gets sucked into this whole weird, bizarre conspiracy. Yeah. What's y'all's take on the believability of him not thinking it's real from the beginning? Because there's nothing to say that it isn't. I but mean, is it is it just because it's the signal that's being, to, to get ahead? Do you, I mean, well, he he even what he's seeing what he wants to he see. He even says at one point it doesn't make any sense for it to be real. It's way safer and cheaper to do it fake. Yeah, yeah. So he's thinking well, of it from a business from a business perspective. That's one of those themes too that I feel like is aged like a fine wine. I think this age this movie yes. in general is aged really well. But think about it compared to something like the age of the internet. We view, like, terrible things on the internet, and we'll just assume assume that something isn't real, as we will assume, like, the worst, you know? Or at the very least, real to us. 
And, yeah. yeah, and I mean, also stimulation is a term that's used a lot in this film. Yeah, and it's like, how often are you? Can you just be like scrolling by on Twitter and just casually scroll past a video of like somebody actually being like shot to death I mean, by a cop or something? You yeah, know, we, like we grew up in the two thousands. We all saw the beheading video, right? Like, yeah, like and that. like fucking Rotten dot com yep. and mm-hmm. shit like that. Fucking four chan, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All that shit. So, and, and you know, I, there is, seeing it on TV, or in our case, the internet, there is a disconnect from it, you know, mm-hmm. from, it, it's... We're seeing it through a screen. Right, you're seeing yeah. it through a screen, but the thing is, as, as Professor Brian Oblivion says, and we'll get into him, <laughs> but as Professor Brian Oblivion says, the, the screen, screen is the retina, is the retina the of the mind's eye. Love that. And, you know, I, I, I feel like this movie really gets into those ideas with how TV and imagery can be suggestible, make people do certain things. It can make people's beliefs get skewed, which is something we see more than, you know, ever today. Man, one of the know? funniest things in in retrospect about this movie in general is the fact that fucking James Woods is the fucking uh, protagonist. Somebody who totally bought into became like a MAGA guy and I think he I think he's like a QAnon guy too yeah. and like QAnon's fucking Videodrome man <laughs> like it's, it's so funny that like fucking all like f- literally 40 years ago this movie came out in 1983 that 40 years ago James Woods is in uh, a movie about Falling down a cue hole. Falling down a fucking conspiracy hole, having like weird waves broadcast into his brain that make him start to perceive the world in sort of like a horrifying way and to act out violently against it because he's receiving coded messages. You know? Like it's fucking. Videodrome is QAnon. <laughs> yeah. In the film, they talk about the the trigger to uh, activate Videodrome, so to speak, is like violence and representations of violence. Something and about like, that, yeah, makes your brain more susceptible to the, the yeah, it's yeah violence well, yeah. and sex. And like the whole idea of QAnon is all focused on like sex and violence, and like that's like. Child sex the, Yeah, the the and, pedo, the, yeah. the liberal pedo cabal with the adrenochrome and all of that shit. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost like the overstimulating sensationalism of it is what sends people down the rabbit hole. So yeah, I, I, I think that's such an interesting parallel there. Right? I mean, even, even to like a less extreme degree, I think you also see the same kind of thing with like the like diehard true crime community. I keep getting these ads for this show on Hulu that's like a fucking ABC series or something about like real people who got like so obsessed with, with like a, a true crime that they had to solve it themselves. It's like, that shit's fucking crazy to me. Like, that's fucking deranged. But I think it's the same kind of thing. You know, there are, people are so infected by 
the the media the signals that they're consuming that it like brainwashes them into yeah. doing like weird crazy well, things and thinking like i'm the only one who can stop this or who can solve this you know well it's interesting too because like then you have series that do that sort of use that mechanism for good like unsolved mysteries where like a lot of those mysteries have actually been solved by the public sure um and that's that's super neat but it's a small side yeah, well, like I mean, I, a, yeah. yeah, I think there's, I think in the age of the internet, too, there's, like, way more room oh, yeah. for, for that shit to you. Just, like, how many fucking, like, true crime podcasts are there out there that are just, like, fucking schlubs like us who get super obsessed with some unsolved mystery and go and start knocking on the doors of, like, the victims of, like, families and they shit. Do, they do a whole bit about or the families of victims, yeah. Halloween 2018. That's yeah, funny. yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, at the beginning with those podcasters, yeah, that that exact same kind of thing, and you know that's that's a side effect of of uh, being too online. Correct. Too yeah. online. Videodrome is is a movie about the dangers of being too online. Way and before the internet, ter- ter- getting terminal brain worms way before the internet was yeah, even man. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like even the true crime stuff. That's like overstimulation on suffering yes and violence and that's what videodrome is all about really like mm-hmm. the idea you know early on we get the scene with uh uh blondie frontman uh debbie harry debbie harry yeah she's um, great in this yeah she's yeah, her character blondie frontman is so good shut the fuck up <laughs> shut the fuck up um immediately after the tv program where they're interviewed uh she goes back to james wood's house and they're watching the tape of videodrome and she is very horny she's turned on by it yeah and uh i think at one point james woods warns her before they start watching it like this is pretty hardcore violence this isn't like sexy stuff yeah and she literally says what's the difference you know, stimulation is stimulation to her. Yeah. And, uh... It's, uh, it's fucking Hellraiser stuff. Well, the the synthesis of pain and pleasure, right? I love it, too, because when he first We have goes, such sights to show you. When he first goes to find her at the network that she works at, um, she's hosting, like, a talk. Like yeah, a she's talk like a, show. she's like a radio, uh, personality. Like, yeah. You get, you get the sense she's kind of like a... Like a sultry shock jock kind of yeah, kind of deal. Meets Dear Abby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and she's on the phone with someone who's like fucking falling apart. Yeah, like who's devastated about uh, I forget the circumstances. Yeah, I don't but, know. Um, yeah, she's she's not really important. Yeah, they're spiraling out, and she says to her, um, she says a number of things, but it finishes by she, by her saying, "You're disintegrating to me while you're speaking," and I, I really like that because that those themes keep coming into play, right? Like, you know, being broadcasted out, being spe- spoke, speaking, spoken to, sending signals, and becoming lost in it and falling apart. Like, I mean, to cut ahead, I mean, the movie ends with them, like, well, disintegrating. Yeah, the whole movie is is about James Woods disintegrating, kind mm-hmm, of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so it's it's cool, like, uh, how those, those themes sort of play in throughout. Yeah, and we get that awesome, incredibly weird, very Cronenberg sex scene where uh james woods is like piercing piercing her ears ears. while while they're having sex i was pretty earnestly uncomfortable 
during that scene. The the practicals as are, well. You should be. You can't see the seams. I don't know. I, I I half of me wonders if they actually just pierced her ears. But like I was like like slapping my leg a little bit during that. Like it was woo. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's almost too much. Like it's one of those. Hey, it's that. It's such. It's such it, a Cronen. It's such a Cronenberg. Well, I mean that's that's why we're here. Yeah. Right. I mean like Cronenberg's themes. Um, I said in the last episode, like, nobody's better at making you uncomfortable than, yeah. than David Cronenberg. Well, well if, there's, if there's a theme I have noticed between the four movies of his I've seen now, I think it's four? No, five. It's that idea of, of going too far. Uh, whether it's the fly, mm-hmm. you know, he goes too far with his experiments. The uh, the twins in Dead Ringers are, are, you know, like, trying to go as far as they can as being twins. Um, they're trying to sort of like become synchronous and they're just trying to fall back into that. Yeah. There's, um, and of course in crimes of the future, they're trying to fucking map the stars with the insides. Like they're trying to go as far as they can there. Um, I would, I would argue though that like later era Cronenberg, like crimes of the future there, it is sort of about the idea of going too far. But I think whereas like the earlier stuff, like dead ringers and this and the fly were like going too far ends in destruction. I think in Crimes of the Future, there's a breaking it, through. It ends in transcendence. It's a little more optimistic. It's, it is more optimistic, and I think that might be something that's come to Cronenberg with age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He definitely seems more interested in that kind of stuff I'm as, with it, as, as he gets older. Yeah, I, 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 I am too. Well, it's, I, yeah, I mean, I, I love the ending of Crimes of the Future. How, how like, would the fly be if like he becomes like a super fly monster and he's all horrified, but then he evolves like a third final time and he's just super human and cool and good again? <laughs> I don't know if that would have the same impact. I don't know if that would have the same impact. I mean, it, it of course depends on the movie. I mean, I, I wouldn't have something like this or Dead Ringers or The Fly end any in any differently than they do. Like these are all you know, like such incredible films. Um, but, yeah. What if what if he just like you know defeated Videodrome and the TV sucked them off and the credits rolled? That would have been crazy. Yeah, you know, like he he won, he did it. He, he and if you can get sucked off by a TV, you have won. I think there's an argument for that. Crime, <laughs> crimes of the future, baby. Oh yeah, it's it's just for some reason it's a future crime for sure. I can't really put my finger on it, but maybe we'll figure it out by the end of the episode. We get a great bit of conspiracy, paranoia, thriller in this movie yeah um, i love that shit it feels yeah. very i mean this came out in 83 so the cold war was yeah, still very happening. post yeah. mk ultra i love i love that shit. Stuff. Mm-hmm. yeah um, mk ultra is the word well yeah he he uh discovers eventually we'll have to double back again to uh, brian oblivion who we've mentioned a couple of times but that you know videodrome is basically like a big conspiracy uh not government conspiracy but like capitalist conspiracy to you know blast this particular signal into people's brains that make them develop like a tumor in their brain that causes them to hallucinate and have a warped perception of reality but most importantly makes them hyper susceptible to brainwashing yeah. To being programmed, suggestibility. Yes, suggestibility, um, and, and the motives sort of change throughout the film. We don't know for sure why. Well, there are there are, there are conflicting factions yes. um, with conflicting motives, and you know both are using James Woods as a tool. To use as, an old conspiracy term, the Leviathan has many heads. 
Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you've got this one, the 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 evil corporation, spec spec spectacular Vision. optics, optical, yeah. optical something like that. I keep wanting to say oracular spectacular. <laughs> um, that's the uh, that's an album. That yeah, yeah that's MGMT. the uh, MGMT. yeah the MGMT album. Yeah, but the the company is like spe- spectacular optical something or other. Yeah. Uh, they introduce themselves in the video like we make uh, we make affordable glasses for the third world and uh, missile targeting missile systems. targeting systems for NATO. <laughs> so fucking that that get aged like a fine wine. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good bit. That's. That's almost as good as the uh, the ad in RoboCop. Yeah, that it does. It does feel like almost like a Verhoeven kind of yeah. kind of shtick. I mean, yeah. I I Verhoeven honestly vibes. think this movie has kind of a a pitch black sense of humor running through. I think most so too. I think I think Cronenberg always does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Dead Ringers has its share of funny moments yeah. too. You know, much like a Verhoeven too. Like there's a there's a big bug eyed head explosion. Yeah. Sequence too. Like there's. Yeah, it's. Just, I got yeah. a lot of Verhoeven vibes off of this movie. Those, those fucking effects. Rick Baker, same guy who did the thing, it, the the practical effects on that the makes thing. Sense. You can uh, tell. Just incredible effects work. There's a lot of yeah. Movie. There's a lot of flesh warping in in this movie. Again, just like you get that that very that hallmark Cronenberg. You know, mm-hmm. it's definitely one of his body horrorist body horrors. Yeah. I love the flesh warping into the TV, very poltergeist esque. Yeah, um, where it's just Debbie Harry's mouth, mm-hmm. uh, like big, and like James Woods like shoves his head into it, and like the TV, like the screen, like stretches. I it's love so cool that how they do that of the top of the TV when it's kind of like warping and you when see the like veins, veins the veins pop out yeah, yeah all that so stuff is cool. so good i love the fucking fleshy sexy tvs <laughs> all of the stuff with like stuff going into and coming out of the tvs is so fucking cool too like it's mm-hmm. obviously just did like a rear screen projection on like a very flexible fabric um but man it looks so good even 40 years later yeah, like yeah. it's it's nice still feet. such yeah it's still such a good effect yeah we watched ben's nice blue criterion blu-ray yeah. this movie well looks that's, nice. that's what's so nice even on uh, my old tv with a lot of a lot of films like these you watch them in 4k or whatever and they were never really designed to be seen you know like maybe on the silver I mean, but the, it's shot on 35 millimeter like that's higher than blu-ray quality mm. for an original you know yeah. theatrical run so like it was meant to see that high quality yeah you know, it's later, the like... tvs you know only recently became able to have that high quality but yeah 35 millimeter it's always designed for seeing on the big screen first and foremost mm-hmm. And that's, like, the best quality you can get. There were a few practicals that where the seams were a little more visible to me. Sure. I mean, some stuff... The TV stuff is all great. Plenty plenty of stuff looks rubbery. But for for a movie that's 40 years old, like, I think it looks good. Love, like, the handgun and shit. It's so cool. With his uh, pulling it... Or putting it into a stomach pussy. Yeah, and just his big, just his big vagina that grows on his stomach. Yeah, losing the gun inside his big stomach vagina. My boy Cronenberg sure loves those. Once again, Crimes of the Future, like Viggo Mortensen has the big old 
zippered tummy pussy. Yeah. And then here once again, James Wood's got the same thing going on. A big old. And I mean, and vagina. and again too, it's like when Brian Oblivion like sends him that first video and is explaining what Videodrome is, you know, like the the ability to make humans evolve and grow new organs. It's like that's what Crimes of the Future is all about. He's been thinking about all of these things for so many years. He's got all of these. He keeps coming back to these same ideas. One minor detail that I really love about that scene where um, he's watching the Brian Oblivion tape. Um, when he's watching it, the the audio is very clearly like through the TV. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, he directly addresses James Wood's character. And it becomes crystal clear, the audio. I love that. And later on, we learn that Brian Oblivion died, like, 11 months prior. So clearly, like, that part is a hallucination. Is the hallucination, yeah. Um, But it's done so subtly that, like, I don't even think everyone would pick up on that right away. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, it's it's a subtle detail, but it immediately cues you in. It's like this is him speaking directly to Max. Mm-hmm. You know, this is there's there's something different here. And yeah, it is a nice sort of like little cue that like okay, this is a this is a hallucination. But let's talk about let's talk about Brian Oblivion. Yes, because we've finally gotten around to him. So his name, Mad Pretentious, but I I get that that's the point. I it's love that it's, I love that it's Brian Oblivion, like oh, like O apostrophe, yeah. like O'Brien or like O'Reilly or something. Yeah. He says it early in the movie that that's a stage name that he picked for himself. Yeah. Well, it's a pretentious yeah. stage name. Well, it's funny. What I love is like he says soon enough. Uh, everyone will have their stage names, and it's like, dude, everyone's got Twitter fucking, handles, and yeah, handles usernames, yeah, At- Abby's. nailed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, everyone's got a handle. Well, I like that he's that. I, I it is pretentious, but I like that his chosen name is Brian Oblivion it's too, fun. because I, I like his fun. whole thing is about is like fun. television being reality because what you perceive is the whole of reality mm-hmm. so that his whole thing is about like transcending from your body into the higher realm that is opened by the cathode ray tube yeah. all that bullshit well, so I, like, I like it is it. he's he's literally demanding that you embrace oblivion and, right well, and not only that you know it, he's transcending his human body because he lives on through these tapes yeah you know he he this is the new flesh because you know again like he's recorded he is on a different plane so to speak yeah he's he's dead but he's still able to make all of these television appearances and send out these his daughter is like sends out these tapes to all these different people and they you know think they're talking like he's talking to them, like he does have existence. He just no longer converses with people. Which again, the internet, you're just kind of like on Twitter, you're just kind of like like, yeah, sure, you interact with people, but you're just shouting your thoughts into the void for people to react yeah. to, right? You know? I enjoy that all of that is through the the projected character of someone who's very intentionally designed to be corny a corny academic cult leader 
Yeah. Like, he first appears, like, for fuck's sake, like, it's, um, his first appearance is during the TV interview where he is on a TV, on the TV. Yeah, he's not there in person, yeah. It's, it's so funny. Like, it's a really, like, goofy, pretentious thing for him to just, like, oh, yeah. And so you, you almost don't take him seriously at first. Um, which is great because uh, yeah, he's, it, he's a weird, again, he's a weird new agey cultist. Well, the, the TV program they're on is pretty schlocky to begin with. Like James Woods is like trying to get laid the whole time with Debbie. <laughs> yeah, he's literally like asking her out, like while Brian Oblivion is doing his little thing. Yeah, it's trashy, like daytime television. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's all of this stuff, like all of what we're seeing in this movie is like lowest common denominator, like trash media, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. What what's considered low culture, and I love that too, because like horror as a genre is often considered low culture mm-hmm. you know i i'm all about the fucking low culture man that's that's the shit that's all my favorite stuff yeah horror it, movies heavy metal music wrestling and i like how the projection of him changes we start out we see the building from the outside the church of the cathode ray um yes the cathode ray mission yes and uh awesome. and it looks like a cheap, run-down, po-dunk mission. And there's a whole crowd of homeless people going in when uh, James Wood first like, goes to visit it. It's great, too, because he kind of flicks his cigarette. As he's going in and as he's, the crowd is sort of gathering at the footsteps of the door, he flicks his cigarette, and you see this one guy look down at it, like, trying to find it so he can pick it up and yeah. take it. Because they're all homeless, yeah. right? So, like, there's that one guy who's desperate to be like, oh, yo, that cigarette was... Like, there was still some... some good use out of that cigarette. He'd only taken a few puffs off it. It was a yeah. mostly full and, cigarette. And yeah. it's like just one extra, you know, who does that. It's just like, it's a really nice attention to details. Once again, Cronenberg, man, he's all about that detail. And I love the and, way that like, as he's going in, he's literally caught up in this like press of people that's like carrying him inside. Yeah. You know? um, it's all very religious. And so when they enter the interior, it's like what you would expect. It looks like the street, the outside. Street. Like a homeless shelter. Yeah. Like a homeless shelter. Where they're even, like, delivering little trays of orange juice to the people and stuff. But they're all sitting in their own little, like, gross cubicles watching TV. And there's some weird stuff that we just see fleeting glances of. Can't really tell because the angle's not right. But, but it seems like to be... There's, Cronenberg-y stuff on some of them. Yeah, like, some of it just looks like, like, straight up, like, surgery footage. Yeah. You know? Like, like, you can't, yeah, you can't quite tell what it is. I'd, I'd almost want to, like, rewind through it at some point and, like, get, try and get a good look at them. But we have that. Then he goes upstairs. After meeting the daughter, he kind of hit the uh, Obra, uh, Oblivion's daughter. Bianca Oblivion. Bianca Oblivion. Yeah. Uh, and she takes him upstairs to his room, which is just a, a, a very loud projection of I'm smart and academic. Like, it is just... Cartoonishly lavish, I would describe it. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. It is just a um, just a mess of... Well, not a mess, but it, it's, a, it's a very... It's, it's overwrought with sculpture... And books and philosophy and and fa- like all the 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 beautiful wood carvings. And his, the and... chair behind his desk is like a throne. Yes, yeah, and and it's great. It perfectly sets up because he's not there. He's not there, right? You know when we go, and it it sets us up to think. Okay, at some point, my man's gonna be sitting in that chair. Like, at some point, like, he's going to make an appearance in this room. Yeah, well, it's the chair. We can see that it's, like, the the desk. They even have, like, a camera set up there. It's, like, where we've seen him, like, on TV mm-hmm. when, you know, talking to to Max or to... Uh... I really love uh, Bianca's explanation of the mission. 
of using TV to kind of rejuvenate these homeless people because it's trying to give them sort of visions of desire which is what tv is and mm-hmm. what the internet is, and to to know? try to, yeah to try to bring them back like resynchronize them into society mm-hmm. through television because if they're you know uh culturally up to date then they are you know in sync with all of the quote-unquote normal people right mm-hmm. and that same office also has an like a, a curtained windowed overlook Mm-hmm. Where you know he pops up the window and you see, oh yeah, it's looking over all those same people down below. Um, so yeah. you know while they're watching, he's watching. Later um, in the movie, we we get a great shot of one of the homeless people watching a game show in the the mission, and it's like that's projecting a vision of wealth and like getting something. Mm-hmm. And like I I think that point about like television being kind of a a mind's eye projection for visions of desire is like super on point. You know, I think like the idea of sex symbols is like substantiated by television and, Mm -hmm. you know, eventually the internet. And like, I just think like that idea of taking the medium of TV and kind of emphasizing how integral it is to kind of, the thought processes of culture um, in the modern age was really, uh, really insightful. David Cronenberg is from Toronto. He's a Canadian filmmaker. And uh, Marshall McLuhan is also from Toronto. You know, the philosopher famous for stating the the medium is the message. Mm. And he was very much a, a TV-centric media philosopher. There's a lot of themes about kind of the ideas of how the medium portrays a message into society through this movie. And I think that's the crux of the movie as a whole. Like, the idea that, you know, the TV is the desire box. And it's not only that, but it's the suggestibility box. It's the sensory box. It becomes, as they say in the movie, a sort of new organ. The screen is the retina of the mind's eye. Yeah. That is the thesis of the film. Yeah. Yes. And in that room, in that uh, very loudly academic room, when, when James Wood asks to see Oblivion, his daughter says, I'm a screen of my father. Or yeah. Or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. You know, that she's just a projected image of him as well. Which is fitting, because when he returns later on, we go up through the same spaces in the building... And then she takes us into one last back room and reveals to us in this sterile room that's just full of VHS cassettes that that is, his, that is her father. That he has died. And He's all been dead remains, for 11 months. Yes, yeah. And all that remains are these, these VHS tapes of him. And there's hundreds and hundreds of recordings that he took before he died of his weird brain tumor. And um, I really like how sterile the room is. Compared to the previous room, which is very busy and loud, it isn't cluttered, but it's it's full of detail. But then this next room, which is white drywalls, cassettes. And there's no room for anything else. Too many. There's so many tapes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she is the screen for her father because she carries on his legacy in his ab, his quote unquote absence 
but, you know, as she believes, he still lives on. And she's the one who distributes these tapes as necessary to deliver the right messages to the right people. So, yeah, she is just the screen for his desires, for his will. Um, and that's that's really cool. And Brian Oblivion and Bianca Oblivion and the cathode ray mission are in direct opposition to oracular spectacular (laughs) i'm just gonna call it that because i can't remember the actual name um because so you've got the spiritual side of it and then the corporate business side of it both with conflicting uh motives but both wanting both having like a a mission that is directly related to the use of Videodrome. I love that our main sort of corporate antagonist of this movie looks like he could be just some sort of schlubby accountant. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not, like, the most imposing dude out there. He's just kind of... He has power because he's from the corporate Yeah, I like how his last name is Convex. Like a fucking... Like a lens. Like a TV screen. Yeah. He gives a great performance. I think he does. his character is very fun. The the whole thing it, it feels like an Alan Moore comic. Yeah, I can see that. You know, just a lot of like a lot of heady commentary with like, you know, very dark, gritty, kind of goofy dark things happening. And I I'm here for it. I had a great time. What are some of your gripes? I'm curious. Gripes? Oh, I don't like I said at the top, I don't really have or I guess you said you said you if not gripes you said that you wanted more of certain things yeah what are those certain things that you would have liked more of so um my problem is it's why I have to phrase it as I like everything that's there because yeah. I'm, I'm I don't want to change anything and I think by adding in the things I wanted to see it would like inherently change it in a bad way mm. um but I, I went into this movie just expecting, like, a, there's plenty of body horror, but more of, like, the flesh-warping body horror, like, monster kind of stuff, and I don't, I just, I don't think it was the movie for that, and I think that's, but, but it kind of sets you up to expect that with, uh, whatever's at the heart of Videodrome, what the room is, what whatever is, we're, we're never really meant to see it, and I get that, getting through the end of it, and I appreciate it, and I think it's good. But also, I would have loved to have seen, like, whatever mind horrors were at the heart of, of like, the, the tumor. Like, I felt like as mm. his tumor got worse and worse, he would see progressively crazier things. And it, it never went beyond the threshold of what, I, what it, to me, already occurred. Interesting. It, like, because they, they, they set it up early to say, like, like they, once they make it clear, like, hey, guess what, bud? All these Videodrome videos you've been watching, we've been projecting a tumor into your head that's going to make you see crazy shit. And he's already started, like, he's got his, like, his stomach that's opening up, and, you know, the gun falls into it, and his, his, his stomach gun pussy, hand, yeah. and he sees some stuff like that, but, like, I, I was really hoping for him to see more crazy flesh monsters in his cra- in his visions, hmm. um, and other, other stuff. And, like, the practice we get of, like, the, the executive, like becoming like a cancer thing when he dies is really cool very thing-esque um like you said like that's really cool and that's fun and the final sequence but the final sequence is very simplistic you know um and it's good it's dry and it and it, i like how it says what it says and it ends where it should end because he's 
just a pawn. He was always just a pawn. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. he is like people who fall into these conspiracy loopholes. He feels like he's the protagonist. And that's cool. And you can see, like, even in my, like, complaint, I'm I'm praising the movie. Yeah. Like, so I I don't, I, I wouldn't change anything. And that's why I just I just want to watch more Cronenberg movies. Yeah, because I'm I'm ready to just keep well, diving in and seeing. I, more you know, I, what, what I, I kind of love I I about the, the hallucinations is one of the first ones we got in the movie got an audible reaction out of you when uh, James Wood's assistant comes over to the apartment um, to kind of drop off some tapes, oh, yeah. and uh, she's about to put one of the video drum tapes in, and he has a vision of just slapping the shit out of her. Uh, well, and, it's just presented as him walking over well, and just hitting her. And there's the a great shot there where he slaps and she turns and it's Debbie Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You you had an audible like, like whoa. whoa yeah well yeah, um, yeah whoa violence against women holy shit <laughs> like well that's the thing like it's uh you know a hallucination which makes it even more kind of disturbing in a way because yeah. they're just I, I like too that like after that he's like he's like oh shit oh my god I'm sorry I uh I, I didn't mean to hit you and she's like what are you talking about you didn't hit me but it's cool because like there's just enough room for it to still make sense because he he did grab her arm mm-hmm. you know so it's like you didn't well, yeah, he, he, he did he ran over to stop her. she's like oh yeah you scared me but it's like scared you you slapped the shit out of you he's like oh wait no no yeah. you didn't hit me what are you talking about yeah it's like it's very believable and he's like yeah. oh sorry i just haven't had enough sleep and the scene carries on very organically i really like that sequence and it's where we're really it's 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 we're really snapped into the fact that like you just shouldn't trust anything you see and that's what i think is important about making realistic hallucinations because obviously yes. like at, at certain points like, it gets so out there, it's like you know it's a hallucination, but there has to be enough, like, believability in there and also, like, subtlety transitioning into it that you don't know for a second. Like, when he slaps her, it's like you don't realize at first that that is a hallucination, and that's, like, that's what makes, like, a good hallucination. It has to feel real we get the best of both worlds really because on one side we get that sort of hallucination where it's really hard to you know separate reality from hallucination and then on the other hand you get the tv whipping in the red room for example yeah which is just one of the most stylish shots in the movie where you know he has the vr headset that looks like almost like a a bug's ad- abdomen on his head, and yeah. it's, like, glowing. Like They a, got a... Oracular uh, Spectacular's got to scan his hallucinations... I yeah. love that helmet. To, ...to be able to help him. And he's looking through the pass-through, um, so to speak, and he sees, you know, a pixelated version of Debbie Harry come towards him. I love how, like... Yeah, it he, looks like OG Doom. When he, yeah, he yeah. puts on the helmet, and, like, he, he looks at his... The, the pixelated hands come up, and he looks at him, and it it does. It looks like Doom or Duke Nukem. It's and, like, oh, and he's then playing slowly, fucking Wolfenstein, yeah. I love how slowly the pixels just sort of disintegrate and, and or, or blend into reality. Yeah. And then it, it's, it's for a very short period of time where it looks like that, and I appreciate it. It's like it's loading in or something, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I love how stylish that whole scene is where they kind of hallucinate into the red room and uh debbie harry is begging to be whipped essentially yeah gives him a whip even and uh you know it's revealed that 
she's kind of just projected into the TV mm-hmm. while he is in the red room of his mind. Yeah. Um, which, uh, which I thought was great because like the whole idea of getting into that stuff is you have to think about images of violence. Right. And it's like, yeah, you're thinking of image, literal images of violence on yeah. TV. Um, well, I think red room. I think at that point too, like when they put the the helmet on him, I I think that that's when they're like programming him. They say it's like, oh, we gotta scan your, we gotta like record and analyze your hallucination so we can learn more about Videodrome and so we can help you. Blah blah. blah. All this stuff is like, nah. When they strap that fucking helmet on his head, mm-hmm. that's when they're fucking programming him and turning him into fucking uh, sleeper agent assassin for uh, for their their uh, desires. Yeah, which is very MK Ultra. Yeah, exactly. You know, no, hey, I, hey, I, hey, I college love it. Student, you want to do like a little social experiment oh wait turns out we were doing government mind control it's, uh, it's very QAnon. Too, yes like we were saying earlier yes it is yeah um, exactly i love all of this because uh it it reminds me of interviews i've heard from people with schizophrenia again not my wheelhouse not my subject matter not my material but um in that i you know i I'd, i've heard you know like accounts of people saying like hey when I see those things and I have those visions, I I know that they're not real, but you still feel forced to react to them. Yeah, and with I mean, it's, VR, it's... it's it's very similar in that respect. Like like the, I remember the first time over a decade ago now, where I when I first like tried out VR because my roommate got like an Oculus Beta, and I was trying it out, and you know it's not real, you know it's fucking Minecraft or whatever. Like, as soon as, like, a, a piece of fucking, like, a block of gravel falls in front of you, you still, you, you flinch from it. Yeah. Um, and it, and it feels so real and immersive. Um, but, I mean, of course, also, like, super motion sick inducing. But, uh, it, is, <laughs> it still needs Well, I mean, it's, it's the same, it, it, like, it's the same as when you do, like, psychedelics, like, acid or mushrooms or stuff. It's like, you know, while you're tripping that you're tripping, but you still react to, like, what you experience and like what you perceive and i mean that's why they use fucking lsd and mk ultra because it puts you into a more susceptible state yeah. and <laughs> just uh, like dose the fuck out of these poor it, for the same reason that the people would uh you know shouted stood up and shouted look out at the great train robbery yeah. it, it goes it's a it's a tale as old as time and it all cuts back to these fantasies having very real effects on people what well, it all really thing, cuts like, back to is that the screen is the retina of the mind's eye. Yeah, the medium Damn. is the message, you know? Like, uh, you know, with TV and with programming, like, it's not objective. It's not objective what goes on there or what goes on your fucking news feed on Twitter, for example. Like, you are suggestible. Totally. And, like, there is, you know suggestibility people taking advantage of that through targeted advertising through political messaging propaganda propaganda Mm -hmm. you know and like that's what this movie is about right like if tv is the the retina of the mind's eye uh you know what impacts does that have on humanity yeah well and culture we we see we sure see what we see we sure see what impact it has on james woods in this movie 
he gets fucking programmed by this corporation mm-hmm. and they're like okay so we've programmed you we we've shoved a fleshy videotape into your stomach pussy i love the fleshy videotape the fleshy the tapes you know they get progressively fleshier in mm-hmm. the movie too to First the couple times they're just the kind of like pulsing, like but yeah, a human flesh videotape. It's just awesome yeah. looking. But it's fun. like, okay, yeah, so we're programming you now, and now you need to go kill your partners, and you're going to give us your TV station because they want to use James Woods' uh, Civic TV Channel 83 as their first uh, testing for Videodrome to really broadcast it out there. Because it's revealed that before, you know, what he thought was just descrambling a satellite feed was all pre-recorded. Right. And, like, all previous tapes of Videodrome had been in closed environments and not actually yeah they had they had been exposing they had been exposing him to it um deliberately yeah through other other means yeah to to make him susceptible to it so they could program him to say okay kill your partners give us the the tv station and it's like okay now go kill bianca oblivion but when he goes to do that she somehow and i love how unclear it is how she achieves it but she somehow manages to counter-program him, to reprogram him to her. Uh, well, well, it's the, actually it is it is somewhat sad. Like, cause, so she is a master of video manipulating people who have been video drummed, right? Just saying like a, a current message, and she gets a hold of uh, what's uh, uh, the blondie front Debbie Harry Debbie Harry's um, video drum catalog. And she's able to reappropriate her her message into a video drum tape preemptively, and like she plays it when he gets there, um, and yeah. that's that's what like re scrambles his brain like in the quote real world of that movie. Right. Yes. Of course. Like she shows him that video of Debbie Harry in video drum being killed in the the red room, and like that's what reprograms him. But it's what I mean is like. How does that reprogram him? You know, it's just kind of oh yeah. yeah, it's just kind of nebulous. Like, well, it's just... reprogramming through visions of violence, like they talk about earlier. Right, exactly. You know, like, exposing the, him to visions the, of violence. The key part and... of that scene is the the image of Debbie Harry is not just her, but her getting strangled. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's her having violence acted upon, and her. and the 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 handgun, his own handgun comes out of the TV and shoots him. And that's like him dying and being reborn with his new mission or whatever. And now, importantly, he is now the video word made flesh. Death to Videodrome, long live the new flesh. It's also worth noting that the gun, the flesh gun, it's like part hand, part flesh, part gun, um, yeah, it's like melded into yeah, it's his melded hand. In. I love um, that sequence where it shows him holding onto the gun, and you get like little screws that come out of the yeah and I, go into his hand. I like it a lot. It is like the TV sequences where like the the plastic is warping and like the screen with the projection on it is warping. Like they hold up so well. They look so. It looks like a real TV that's yeah. like becoming flesh. It, it's super neat. The handgun is very 
rubbery, and I like it. I, I I don't think I have notes. I just it doesn't feel as like real to me. Um, I love how goopy it, 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 it is. It's it's goopy in like a cartoony kind of way, and I like that. And it's good and it's fun, but it 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 didn't. It's not the fly. Like I don't know, but but it's 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 super cool and it's neat. But, this is pre fly. Yeah, yeah. But um, certainly lo- like one hundred percent lower budget than the fly as yes. well. Uh, but one thing I really love about the gun is that whenever it shoots, it kind of sprays a little mm-hmm. bit. It's very phallic. Everything in this movie is. It's a you know we've been calling it a stomach pussy, and that's really no exaggeration. It is made to look vaginal. Yeah, it's, it's extremely it's inser- vaginal, things are yeah. certain are being inserted. He put into yeah things. he loses the Messages gun in there. Are being inserted yeah. into mines. Yeah. it's all dicks. It's all it's all pussies. It's all just. It's all very sexual. Yeah, se- sex and violence. Mm-hmm. You know, all of that. And violent that, sex. All together, that, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the movie. So he goes back to the Videodrome headquarters, Oracular Spectacular. Well, yeah, they're having some sort of, like, company, like, party or gathering at, like, a hotel or something. They're the unveiling... The gathering. Yes, they're, they're unveiling a new line of, of eyeglasses. Yeah, the Medici collection, which the I think is funny. Well, like, it's great. Ren Faire performance on oh, stage. Yeah, they're all wearing, like, these, like, super cheap-looking, like, satin, uh, vibrant Italian Renaissance-era clothes. Yeah, um, uh, it, it's like a like a high school production, you know, of Romeo and Juliet, uh, uh, with like professional dancers like dancing around. But I really like that it's the Medici collection because the Medici was were say. patrons of the arts. They funded the arts. They funded the Renaissance. They were the bankers behind all of that movement, and they they also ran the papacy. And it was it was really cool. Like it was art, religion, everything. And and this movie is is all about the shadow organization behind art, the art and religion of the time, whether it's the church of the cathode ray, or it's these TV broadcasting stations that are broadcasting quote art and spectrovision. Like they're all, there's something behind all of them. It's then it's the Medici. It's the, you know, it's, it's the first mafia family. It's the, it's the, the, the original deep, the the original deep state, state. you know, it's whatever you want it to be. And it's cool. And I like that. I like that. They, uh, he shows it from every angle, and he shows it in such a a, a, a trite and and, uh, and and kitschy way, with it being like, "Oh, it's our Medici Spring Line collection." Again, yeah, it's in, it's in, yeah, it's in the fucking like it's, it's in a fucking hotel conference room, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. That shit is so Paul Verhoeven, man. I yeah. love that whole sequence on the stage. There's like a giant set of like glasses. Yeah. <laughs> just goofy looking glasses with sort of stained glass. What them. are what are the two quotes they have on either side of the stage? One of them is like it's like love enters through the eyes or something like that. And then the eyes yeah. are the window to the soul. Um very I'm, on the nose. I'm willing to bet one of those quotes were like reappropriated or something too, and then they got it wrong. I, it would be very fun. Probably so. misattributed. Yeah, mm-hmm. he says they're both quotes of Lorenzo, Lorenzo de Medici. Yeah. De Medici yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so James Woods goes there. He's now uh, programmed to destroy Videodrome, so he goes to uh, to assassinate uh, Mister Convex, and he does so on the stage. And, uh, yeah, I've got that great death scene where, uh, as he's dying, he just sort of erupts in an explosion of, like, fleshy tumors. 
um, all very good. And of course, we know that all of this, like this whole last third is just like pure hallucination, obviously. Um, but the film ends with James Woods going to uh, like sort of an abandoned dock. He find, he goes in like an old boat or something to hide out because he's now a fugitive. And he has one final hallucination of Debbie Harry coming to him on the TV and being like, well, you hurt Videodrome, but... You know, that's just one head of the Hydra. You haven't destroyed it yet. In order to do that, you have to you have to destroy the old flesh so the new flesh can be ascend to the next can, level. Yeah, ascend to to the next state. And it's like, oh well, how do I do that? And he sees on the TV a video of himself kneeling and putting his flesh gun handgun to his head and blowing his brains out and so he does just that long live the new flesh and he lives on through the the hit david cronenberg film videodrome he sure does i like too that in the sequence of him watching himself kill himself on the tv and then him just immediately mirroring that and doing the same thing it's it's almost like the entrance to a trance Mm -hmm. like it's you know we're repeating a mantra Literally, right? And, it's, and so it's, it's almost it's a to, direct address to the audience, well, it's, right? It's We're designed it to, through a screen like he did. Exactly. Like, it's designed to lull the audience into that same thing, right, as the credits roll. And now we're set out to videodrome our own videodromes and whatever the fuck that means, which is super cool. Like, you, you feel, by the end of the movie, like you've been programmed. As you should. As, as, yeah, I guess it's great. And now anybody who's listening to this, you're also being programmed... You've been video domed. You've been. <laughs> Damn, she gives some good video dome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, my my infinitesimally small gripe would probably just be it would have been cool if during the Medici sequence he turned around and the whole audience had like fucking VHS tape flesh heads or something. That's kind of how I was really. Yeah. For. Oh, so just for like it to achieve those final great heights, but I don't think it would have worked. Yeah, also, I don't know. I like feel like, my, my, I feel like that would have been too much. I want a cheeseburger self, you know, once the greasy, just a big flesh finale. But I get I get that, like, just the simplicity of him walking up on the stage shooting, shooting the guy and him seeing him as, like, a weird cancerous thing. And, you know, it's funny enough. because I had some, of, some similar complaints last week with Dead Ringers where I kind of wanted more by the end and, you know, more hijinks of sorts and like ultimately what i think makes cronenberg such a master is he knows when to play his cards and when to hold them he's a king of restraint yeah well you know and and i i think i mentioned it last i said same thing last week cleave but like i almost feel like the fly being your first cronenberg is like almost a like a bad expectation to set because it really is like the most like monster movie, like just constant body horror, like of his movies, like body horror is always an aspect, but 
Like, it's never, in none of his stuff is it as pronounced as in The Fly. And I don't know, I feel like, I feel like Videodrome is like, would be like the one after The Fly that I could think of that has like the most overt body horror. Well, I mean, Existence and Scanners are probably... a similar vein. As- I have I have never seen Scanners. That's one of my that's one of my Cronenberg blind spots. But Existence, you're right. And like the the ending of the Brood has has some good stuff. I won't spoil that. But it's called the Brood. I yeah. figure. I would hope it. Has so I mean, yeah, there's shit. there's always there's always good weird body horror shit. But I don't know. It's just I'm 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 just kind of surprised to hear you say that like. You feel like this one didn't go far enough with the body horror, which, like, I I don't think is an is an like if you want more, you want more. I don't think that's a problem. Well, I think I think the answer is just I need to keep watching his movies. Yeah. I need to see the more that's in the rest of his films. You just need to Not get get it all in one movie. That's the fly that exists. Yeah, I think yeah. There's just uh, I think you just kind of got to reset your expectation for Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. But that being said, like he's. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of layers. Like he does a lot of different kind of stuff. Like I, I, I yeah, like an onion, like Shrek. Before <laughs> we wrap it. stuff up, I want to ask you all about what you thought of the score. Howard Shore Howard came Shore. back to do the score. Love and it. The score is like the most noodly of noodly synth stuff. I love it though. I feel it's yeah. It feels very different from like other Howard Shore scores I've heard. It's very different from what he does for Dead Ringers. Yeah, it's, um, it's cheap. It sounds like a cheap kind of it's noodly, but porno, like VHSE sort of thing. Like they they it's it's the most dated sounding one, and visually it reflects the movie. It's about a but also a cheap I network. but also I feel like it's it's kind of I I find it pretty unsettling yes. as well. Yeah. like it's yeah, it's, it's like creepy, yeah. yeah, it's dissonant in a way that it's like yeah, it, it fits like the weird, mysterious, creepy stuff that is just like mm-hmm. permeating the whole well, movie. And it's it's cool because it's also it's said directly in the film. Uh, very early on, uh, our uh, James Wood is the is, it, is an executive as he is looking for new films to show on his network, and he comes across this like uh, Japanese film that's sort of a weird sex film. Yeah, and he plays it for his colleagues at the station, and it's you know it's like a geisha, and she reveals like she has this doll thing on her desk, and she reveals that behind the mask and the little kimono on the doll is it's just a giant dildo. Yeah, and um, it proceeds, but it's all you know. There's like fancy, like there's like serene Japanese music being played over the top of it, and it's still like portrayed as, as artistic. And one of the executives complains, saying it's like, like it's too classy, it's too classy, it's too soft. Yeah, it, it it needs to be cheaper and sleazier for me to get off. Yeah, and that's what the movie's about, and like that's why like oh, oh, Oblivion is so silly, right? Like it's it's and like the cult, his his cult stuff is so cheap looking and. It's clearly a cult, and it's all very obvious, and the the score sounds cheap, and it's all because it's about cheap sleaze, the executives and stuff, and how that's that that world is infiltrated, and it's cool, it's neat, it, and it's it's the intent is super clear, and I appreciate that. Why don't you slap a rating on there? Yeah, man. Well, I think just like uh, Ben last week, you know, you said you know you you had those like minor qualms, but like they're 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 not enough to affect like the rating. I'm going to go with the same. I'm still going to give this movie a five. Like it's. Oh, wow. Okay. I, that's I, actually I, surprising. Yeah, no, I would, I would not have guessed that when your initial reaction at the beginning of this episode was it was solid, was not expecting it was. a five. Like it was, it, it is, it's, it, it's airtight even. 
um, in, it in, is in, that. in its solidity. Um, uh, but but again, I just I think the, the the problem in part is the weakness of my flesh, and I need to stop watching Cronenberg Sleepy uh, because like I was I would yeah I would give I would also just recommend like give Video a rewatch like mm-hmm. sometime in the in in the near yeah. future. No, I think just, so too. Just like, watch just it again. To, I need to let like we just finished watching the movie. I need yeah. to let it sink in. I got all the themes, but for it to all coalesce will be nice. Um, so yeah, I would, I would, yeah, like it's like, to... it's not hard to follow, but like yeah. it is, I, it is saying a lot and I feel like it, it takes time for that to sort of sink in. And I think, it, I think repeat viewings help. I no, think, and I, would like I think it's, it it's better. It's better for, it's, it's a movie that's better appreciated on it's, repeat viewings. It's going to age yeah. well for me. And again, like as, as an artist, as someone who's, who projects images into people's brains for a living, I resonate yeah. with that. And you live on through your work. I do. Hopefully. <laughs> Long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. Um, ben? Well, this is, you know, for a long time, this was my favorite Cronenberg. I don't know if it's still my favorite, but it's still definitely in my top three. It's probably my favorite Cronenberg aesthetic mm. of any Cronenberg. And like we said at the top of the episode, this is the most Cronenberg of Cronenberg movies. Um, I love this movie. I would definitely recommend... If you like this movie, picking it up on Blu-ray, the Criterion copy is excellent. The essays and the booklet are great. The supplementary material is great. Um, ton of really great stuff. Um, yeah, this is an easy five out of five. Um, definitely worth checking out. It's like like you said, it's very dense. It's very abstract and kind of challenging. But it's a movie that because of that is very rewarding for a very close viewing of it a you know and repeat viewing so very well said um i agree wholeheartedly yes this is a, a five out of five for me as well um easy i i'm with you i don't think it's i don't think it's my favorite cronenberg but uh i mean man he just has so many fucking bangers the favorite can really change depending on the day but um yeah well that's that's two Cronenberg golden pods back to back. Um we hope that people listening love and appreciate David Cronenberg as much as we do cuz we've certainly been devoting a lot of time to him lately. Deservedly. Yes. Um what's next week? Next week is my pick. So I was three, telling 3 for 3 uh, well, I was telling Tease that, uh, you know, I, I've privately made three sort of mini lists of movies to pick for the podcast. I have the, the classics, which are, you know, universally loved, great movies that we need to cover at some point. I have like more Cronenberg. the underrated, which are movies that I think are great, but don't get maybe the love that they they should get like some lesser Cronenbergs. Um, and then we have the weird, which are just aggressively weird, sort of my wheelhouse ass movies. A lot of Cron- that, yeah, it's um, from what I've heard. So, I I was originally going to pull from the classic um, pool and go with Opera um, by Dario Argento, but I feel like after two Golden Pod movies, we need to have some counter programming. So I'm going to go with uh, 
a film by the name of Female Prisoner Number Seven Hundred One Scorpion. Oh, uh, I've heard you talk about. I've this heard before, yes, you've talked a lot about this movie, but uh, I've never seen it. An extremely stylish Japanese exploitation film from the seventies. Very colorful, very violent, very sleazy, very strange, uh, very feminist. Uh, it's a women in prison movie too. So. Uh, <laughs> A lot where, of different where stuff they going belong, on. am I right, fellas? <laughs> am I right, fellas? <laughs> but I'm super excited to cover this one. Um, I I also have this one on Blu-ray, so we'll be <laughs> right on, uh, I'm right, fellas. <laughs> well, join us next week for female scorpion or whatever. Female prisoner, prisoner number seven hundred one scorpion, seven hundred and one female scorpion prisoners. I always get this name wrong too. So, well, uh, yeah, I there's no way I'm going to remember that. So come back for female scorpion next week. Uh, come, come back for the all female recasting of Sicario. It's going to be great. I'm I'm certainly titillated. Um, speaking of titillation, oh, yeah. let's sponsor. let's do a sponsor. Well, my my nipples are doing all kinds of weird things in respect to the sponsor this week. Um, mostly sponsor-related things, and this week's sponsor is sponsoring us as <laughs> the sponsor, the ghost of Christmas, where your alcoholic uncle barfed in your stocking. Wow, and it's only March, too. I refuse to elaborate. Christmas came early, gang. <laughs> Christmas sure came right up out of your uncle's mouth into your stocking early this year. Whom's among us? Am I right? <laughs> All right, well, if if you are once among us, then leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts, uh, or uh, you can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. As always, we want to give a shout out to our honorary pod boys, Sam, Zach, and Micah. Y'all rule. All the love. Yeah. Um, and Discord's uh, popping off. Lately. Discord's popping off. Uh, if you if you join Patreon, you can get on the Discord. Yeah, talk um, about the movies you're watching. We love to hear. Yeah, about. that's right. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and at letterboxcom slash PodPeoplePod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings, links to those reviews, and you can see our full list of Golden Pods, Videodrome joining those ranks as it deserves. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Some Spooky Snake and streaming on Twitch at Some Spooky Snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm barfing into stockings over at (laughs) DreadXP.com. Hey, I didn't write the sponsor. I just speak the words. Me either. Uh, you can find uh, all of the cool art that the studio is working on, uh, of which I'm working on some of it and having an amazing time doing so. Um, oh, yeah. Most recently, go and fucking wish list Sucker for Love 2. Uh, I actually uh, am going to be doing some art on that. So to Sucker to Love. That's right. Actually, it's a date to die for. No, I think it's Two no, Sucker it's... to Love. No. <laughs> <laughs> to Sucker to Sucker. Suck into to suck. suck or not to, to suck. suck. Well, we all know the <laughs> to answer. To suck that or one. not to um, suck. <laughs> Sucker for love. No, it's it's <laughs> fucking rad. Uh, go. It, uh, Pax will have already happened by now, but uh, I'm, I'm sure it was rad. Uh, we were we were there. Um, Sick. Yeah. No, uh, Sucker for love is awesome. 
uh Aquafox is an awesome dev to work with and so it's been it's been really fun so that's uh yeah go go wishlist the fuck out of that game it's about lovecraftian horrors what do we talk about all the time on this podcast lovecraftian horrors among other things amongst other hoopsters all right thanks for listening and death to video drum long live the new flash 